0: BLOB TALK RADIO Sherry's Playhouse presents Never Again
1: Denver, Colorado FBI agent Kenneth Shepard's phone rings.
2: I'm going to die. I'll die if you don't come here now.
1: What's happening? Nate? Just hurry. Ken swerves through the traffic.
3: Why during rush hour? If you find local patrol does can keep Nate Dunnigan safe, someone will answer for the failure. I'll see to that.
2: Get out of the way!
3: These drivers have no reason to be afraid. I know how to drive, how to stay cool under pressure. They make me want to scream.
2: Get out of the
1: way! And speeds through the last red light with clenched teeth. Looks at the clock.
3: Fifteen minutes. Right in the middle of rush hour. How am I supposed to get across town in the middle of doggone rush hour? All it takes is a single second to have a dead witness, and I'm fighting red lights and cell phone drivers.
1: A mixer truck barrels through the intersection, and Ken tears at the wheel, swears, and narrowly misses a collision. He stomps on the gas pedal and glances in the rearview mirror. The truck skids to a stop behind him and avoids hitting another car by a fraction of an inch. Ken glances in the rearview mirror but can't stop. The safe house isn't far. He pulls into the quiet post-war neighborhood where the safe house was located. The car jolts forward as Ken throws it into park in front of the tiny bungalow.
3: No one else in the street. No threat. Maybe Ned was panicking when he called, thinking about the trial tomorrow and coming face to face with the men who would rather see him dead than inside the courtroom.
1: He carefully heads up the sidewalk, gun in hand. His long legs take the concrete steps in one long stride to a small front porch. Back against the brick, Ken peeks through the window into a small living room with a couple of lawn chairs and a small television. He shimmies a few inches to another window. The empty dining room is littered with clothes, garbage, and there's no furniture and no people at all. Ken knocks on the door.
3: FBI, open the door. Nate, open the door. I'm coming in.
1: Passing into the two front rooms, Ken rounds the corner into a galley kitchen as a gun fires. Nate Dennykin drops to the floor at Ken's feet. Gray matter and blood spraying the kitchen. Ken falls back behind the wall. Drop the weapon. He races to Nate's side, kneels and presses two fingers against the carotid artery, shakes his head while sirens blare in the distance. No pulse. Reason. He glances down at Nate's body and then at the man lying opposite of the witness.
3: young live extinguished. Now the first responders will take over. So through the whys and hows and what happens next. For my part, I go to court and testify the witness died. With Nate gone, the mafia will slink back into the shadows, pull more young, impressionable children into a life of guns and most money and death. Before that, there'll be a customary statement, while the coroner carries out two body bags. They could have been protected in another way, outside local PD. Witness security would have been a far better option. When no one ever brought
1: the idea to the table,
3: maybe it was time for a career change.
1: One year later, Ken walks into the WITSEC office for the first time. He comfortably settles behind the desk. Less of a victory and more of a step in the right direction.
3: Being here feels more like being where I belong. The job hasn't even started yet. But the pile of standard operating procedures sure looks familiar. Every job has to have them, of course. Rules, rules, rules. Do this and do that. Some odd form of torture test to the newbie. See who falls asleep and who possesses the metal to survive the dry reeds. I guess I'd best get comfortable
1: and get at it. A female marshal walks to the side of his desk and taps against the wood.
4: Going cross-eyed yet?
1: Yet another marshal, but I've never met one
3: that looks like her. Those eyes, those legs, hidden behind denim. The kind of woman that makes it very hard to abide by those not-in-the-workplace rules. Maybe clearing my throat will help me find my voice again, as I say, <clears throat> how'd you guess?
4: Who likes reading those things? I can't imagine how the person who writes them must feel. Name's Bree. You'll be working with me this week, and we'll go from there. Before you know it, you'll be ready to handle your first set of charges yourself.
3: Nice to meet you. You only have to shake your hand to recognize his new partner is more than just a simple marshal. She's as tough as nails, regardless of how good she looks.
4: Judging from the scores on your exit tests from the Academy and those high graduation accolades, it won't take long before you have your own witnesses. Honestly, it's all pretty much the same from the FBI lines, just taken from another angle.
3: That angle's my reason for transferring.
4: I heard. Enough of those things for now. Let's get lunch and talk. Get to know each other.
3: That I won't argue with.
0: They
1: settled into a booth at the hamburger joint. Ken pops a cup of fries in his mouth before opening the cardboard burger container. Typical fare on brown trays.
3: But even greasy food tastes good and the cola even better. Might be the sops.
1: Rae smiles, takes a long sip of her own diet cola, then meets Ken's gaze.
4: You know you can't save every, every witness, not even on this side of the street, right?
3: Okay, so you have read my file.
4: It's my job. Point is, you'll lose them here, too.
3: Sure, I know witnesses die. It comes with a job description. But maybe I can keep even one more alive. Where I was with the FBI, my hands were tied. I brought witnesses in, saw that they were charged, and then left them in the hands of someone else.
4: That's called trust.
3: That's called passing the buck. It was cheap, and it wasn't enough. I don't want to pass the buck anymore. As she smiles and takes a bite of her sandwich, I can't help but think of her in another setting. Bree is probably drop-dead gorgeous when dressed up for a night in the town. Slick black hair falling down her back instead of tied in that tight bun. And those wide eyes. She could captivate a man with those eyes. And probably freeze the same person with those eyes when they grow hot with anger and authority. And oh, that body. But she's been hit on by more than one coworker. I shouldn't add myself to that mix. Better to keep it all professional. I started out fresh out of college, too. Fifteen years ago. Enjoyed being an agent.
4: It's still the same line of business.
3: Enjoyed catching the bad guys. But the thing is, the longer I chased down the bad guys, the more I learned that not all the bad guys wear black hats. Or were evil, like you see in the movies. Some of them, not all, mind you, but some, are a shade of good with a choice or two leading them down the wrong path. Sometimes they deserve another chance. A better one than prison will provide.
4: Hey, you're preaching to the choir here. Is that what happened with Nate Denikin?
3: Along those lines... Uh, I'd have to be honest. Nate's face, the virgin lying on the floor dead, tends to haunt me. He was a kid. Nothing more than a kid.
4: Some kids can be bad eggs.
3: Meeting her eyes might make me smile, but she doesn't make me squirm. No. No one ever does. Yeah, we've seen enough of those, haven't we? But Nate was a kid who could have overcome the decision he made. In another setting, away from the influences of friends or family... He could have found a future that would have shone brightly instead of...
4: Those are the hard ones. So much potential wasted. So how'd it go bad?
3: Isn't it all in the file?
4: No, at least not the details.
3: Night's dead. Details don't matter.
4: You know what they say about the details. It's worth looking at them. It helps to determine what can be done differently the next time around.
3: Ah, oh, the details. Answers lie in those pesky things, don't they? The forecast for the trees and all those fantastic word pictures people use over and over again until they don't mean anything. They never put Nate in wit's sake. He was placed in a safe house outside the city, then returned to New York under local patrol. He didn't stand a chance.
4: NYPD is more than capable.
3: Well, sure, they are. I don't question the department's competency, but it was a serious misstep when handling the case. He should have been protected, returned to New York only under heavy guard to stand trial, and then removed as quickly as possible.
4: Well, that's what WITSEC is for. Understand, though, everyone, not everyone, placed into the program, and not everyone wants to be. That's just not up to us.
3: No, it's not up to us. But once the witness becomes my charge, I can work hard to make sure that not one more child falls under my watch. That's the idea of coming to this side of the street.
1: Black as tar, coffee in hand. Kenton sits at a small kitchen table and looks out the window at the morning in front of him.
3: This little house didn't afford much of a view outside the neighborhood street, but the scene wasn't as important as the bright morning sunshine. Fresh, eager, hopeful, offering something better than what happened at night when the brightness fades and gives away to the dark inside people. Still a couple of hours before work. Hey, Max, done with your food? Okay, take it easy, boy. Guess that means you need a walk. Okay, okay, take (laughs) it easy.
1: I gotta put the cup down first. He slaps his thigh and whistles. The dog hurries after him. I think it's an anniversary
3: today, boy. One year since that gorgeous redhead Cassie walked out of my life and you flunked out of police academy. (laughs) Women in school. Who needs them, right, boy?
1: The Jack Russell Terrier shakes his head as they bend head down the sidewalk towards the end of the block.
3: Ah, but she was a good woman who tried hard. Relationships are hard enough without throwing in the twists and uncertainties of a job that defines the meaning of never knowing whether you'd make it home or not. Most women want the assurance that there was at least a fair chance their man would make it back at the end of the workday. And who could blame them, right, boy? I want to say. Yeah, I want the same thing. To know there was a good chance I'll walk through the door into warm, familiar arms and an understanding ear. Come to think of it, buddy. You look it up for me every night, don't you? <laughs> Even if it's just for food and water.
1: He whistles and points to an empty lot at the end of the block.
3: Your favorite spot. No one to care how much noise you make or how fast you run. Come on, do your thing. I've got to head out soon.
1: Uh, the dog races off, legs a blur as Ken watches him with a trace of a smile. I
3: <sighs> see simple things in life that some never get a chance to enjoy. Maybe, yeah, just maybe. They can help a few find their way.
1: 20 minutes later, they return inside. The dog lies in his favorite corner as Ken dresses for work, local news playing on television.
3: I'll be back later tonight, buddy. There's something about a witness turning on the Crips in the Denver area. Two gang leaders, long sought after by the FBI, are now in custody thanks to the information. Something like that is bound to bring a case into witness security. Today, boy, might be the first time I truly get to help someone. He
1: stands, buttons his shirt, switches off the television. After retrieving a dog cookie from the kitchen and tossing it to Max, he hurries out the door. A woman sets across the table. Her tattooed body is covered only by two short shorts and a tank top, despite the fact the temperature is struggling to reach above the 50s. She smacks the gum in her mouth while refusing to meet Ken's or Bree's eyes. Fingers drum the tabletop, and the woman looks more bored than defiant. Bree points to the binder of paperwork lying out before the new witness. Valcaras isn't making their job easy, not since stepping into the room lined with one-way glass.
4: Okay, Val. Do you understand the rules?
0: Yeah, sure.
4: Listen, you cannot be cavalier about this. This program is not reality TV. If you don't think that this is a matter of life and death, your life and death, then you are wrong. But we will not place you under protection if you don't accept that there are rules in place for your life now to
0: protect that life. I have no idea what it has to do with the three musketeers, but sure, I understand. What choice do I have? If I go back to my family, they'll kill me. If I don't testify, then I'll go to prison and I'll be killed there. All I have left is to go with you. The Crips
3: aren't your family, Val.
0: Oh, yeah, what do you know? <clears throat> They're the only family I've got.
3: You know, if you do what we tell you and work hard, you might actually find a real family in your new life.
0: And you're Santa Claus. Look, I'll do whatever you want me to do, but don't feed me any crap about how wonderful this new life is going to be. Happy endings are for suckers and people who look like the two of you, not for someone like me. Okay. Okay.
4: Sign this paperwork, and we'll move forward with finding a new home for you.
1: Val drags the binder close enough to scribble out a signature, then pushes it toward Bree as she drops against the back of the chair, tipping it back toward the wall.
0: Now what?
4: Signatures are all in place. Now we transport you to a facility where you'll start to prepare for your move to another town in another state with another name. It can take a little time, but you'll stay in a secure location until everything is in place. Your job, for now, is to lay low, obey the rules, and look forward to a
0: fresh start. Yeah, rules. Great. Easy. It can be,
4: or it can be hard. It all depends on how you want to look at it.
0: More sugar-coated crap, but fine. Whatever.
1: Jen follows Ray out of the room into a adjacent office where the senior marshal is waiting. She hands the encyclopedia of paperwork over to the marshal. The middle-aged man nods and heads out the door, steps in front of the glass, and watches as Val kicks the chair he'd been sitting in.
4: She's all set.
1: Hard to imagine she's going to
3: make it through, though.
4: Val's defiant. Rough. Too many years on the streets. So much she's seen. But she might surprise us. I've seen worse.
3: Now all alone in there. Her demeanor's sure changing, isn't it? She looks like she's going to cry now. She could be a pretty woman if she has a sharp head on her shoulders. In a lot of ways, she's a lot like Nate Dunnigan. Potential wasted my wrong opportunities. Look at her. She doesn't have any idea how to live without her gang family. Family. No bigger lie has ever been told.
4: No. But we'll show her if she takes it seriously. Some perps like her leave the program to return to the life they had. Can't follow the rules and get made by the people who want them dead.
1: Bree turns and heads down the hall while Ken falls in step behind her.
4: I prefer to give everyone the benefit of the doubt.
3: I know the textbook version, but in your experience, how many make it through the program successfully?
4: Most witnesses adjust sooner or later, and you can let that be what gives you hope when we have tough cases like Miscaris in there.
1: Bree programs the disposable phone with her cell phone number then places it with the rest of Val's care package. Ken glances through the bag, ensuring everything's in place. Looks like everything Val requested is simple
3: enough. Apples, bananas, gummy worms, macaroni and cheese, (laughs) frozen pizzas, orange juice chocolates. One thing's for sure, she'll never go broke on groceries. She's like a poor college student on a mouse's budget. Her eating habits don't concern me, but what's with the phone? Is she supposed to have that already? Isn't there a risk she'll reach out to those we're trying to keep her from?
4: Of course there's a risk. There's always a risk. That's the nature of our job. But imagine you're giving up everything, leaving the familiar paths, home, favorite restaurants, favorite stores. And if this one simple device provides a little comfort, you can't call family or friends, but you can order a pizza or call for an ambulance. And you can contact us, which she needs to do anytime anything is wrong. Or she might call us just because she wants to. The point is, anything can happen. Anything is possible. And if this helps in some small form with settling into this new life, then the risk is justified.
1: Bree smiles and shoots Ken a wink as she tucks a handful of CDs in the bag before closing it.
4: And her favorite music.
3: Risks are too big a gamble, though, aren't they? And the rules are in place.
4: The rules so that- are in place for a reason, yes. But some rules can be bent.
3: So rules are made to be broken? In other jobs, maybe, but not in this one, where only one misstep could mean someone's life. Rules should be followed. Wasn't that what they taught us during training? They were breaking laws to put the clients in WITSEC, so the rules in breaking those laws were an absolute necessity.
4: Not broken, can. And not all the rules. Most of them we must follow closely. But if this makes the clients feel more secure in what they have to do, then that's exactly what we should do.
3: But doing those kinds of things could risk putting them in more danger.
4: Trust me, Ken. I've been at this a long time. And the rules I break never put one of my charges in danger.
3: How is Val doing today?
4: Mm, Still testy. But, you know, I've had other wits like her. Val will be okay. She doesn't know what freedom looks like yet. It takes time.
1: Ken walks to a table and picks up the file, scans over the paperwork.
3: Essex County, Massachusetts, Haverhill. Across country and far from everything Val has ever known. Poor kid. When do we leave? Tomorrow. Not exactly gangland up there.
4: Some parts are. Some aren't. Taverhill should be okay.
3: far enough from here to keep her off the radar.
4: Well, that's the general idea. We'll stay for a few days just to make sure she's settled, and then we'll come back home and take on the next charge.
3: No dropping them off in the hotel and coming back home, huh?
4: (laughs) Another one of those rules that's best to fudge. Treat the wits like people and not just commodities. It goes a long way to helping them.
3: That's the point of learning everything what's the point of learning it all if we're only going to throw it out the window
4: because we learn the ins and outs and go from there you learn to write in school to do it correctly and then you start adding your own touch to the letters as you grow right? I mean this is the same kind of thing
3: protecting someone isn't creative expression
4: no it's a personal one never forget that
1: He nods. As they head back to Val's room, he opens the door to a woman sitting quietly in a corner, looking out a window, looking sad, vulnerable, and frightened. Val gazes out the train window as it slides into the Haverhill station. Ken sits across from her in the couch seat of a quiet car, following her eyes as the station comes into view. Welcome to your
3: no home, Val. Historic downtown with a few two-story buildings, tree-lined streets, no skyscrapers, a few mountains that make things interesting, a fraction of Denver's population. It'll be the perfect escape and place to re yourself.
0: You can't be serious. You're moving me here?
4: It's a departure from everything you know. I I understand that. But that's the exact point.
0: No, I can't do this. I'm not living here. There's got to be somewhere else I can go. Anywhere. It's a big country with lots of cities. Put me in any one of them, but I can't live in this backwards dump.
4: Yes, you are living here. As opposed to dying at home. A few things to go over as we disembark. Starting at this moment, you are no longer Val. You are Riley.
0: Do I look like a Riley to you?
3: You don't have a choice. We went through this at the office.
4: I understand this is hard. But this may be the only chance you get. Take advantage of it.
0: And if I don't like it, what are you going to do? Move me somewhere else I hate? I'm just not made for a place like this. It's too, too...
3: Enough, Val. We can't move you just because you don't like the town. The only way we can relocate you... Is if you don't
4: like Essex County, after giving it an honest try, you contact me, and we'll go from there. You promise? We promise.
1: Around them, passengers stand and gather their... Jackets and purses and laptops
3: one way or another it's time for us
0: to get off the train okay I'm sorry I've been so mean I get my life wasn't any better back home I didn't even really have a home but I'm scared and if you tell anyone I said that I'll lie and say I never said that do you understand
4: we know you are scared It's natural But if you sabotage everything before it even gets started, it's going to be hard for us to help you. And that's all we want to do, okay?
1: Val nods and looks to Ken.
0: You should lighten up, Jack. Be more like her.
3: You're right. I have a few things more to learn.
1: The quiet ride back to the hotel leaves Ken deep in thought. Everything
3: from law enforcement and being an FBI agent defines the meaning of the word rules. You follow them, and you don't deviate. They exist for a reason, and most of the time, they save lives. What's sec with a different breed, where rules are guidelines and gray areas just abound?
4: You'll get the hang of it, Ken. There's a bit of a learning curve here. Everyone struggles at first.
3: I just want to do my job right. It's what I came here to do.
4: And you will. Before you know it, you'll be a fish out of water or in water, or however the Goofy saying goes. I'll tell you what, come over to my room tonight. We'll do dinner courtesy of Swanson, watch a game or something. You need to relax. And to be honest, so do I.
1: I'm in. Ken knocks on Bree's hotel room door, then clears his throat. throat) Working with her
3: day in and day out is one thing. Meeting for dinner in a hotel room and unrelated to work is something completely different. The jumbled nerves in my stomach are something different, too. But I have rules about dating coworkers, gorgeous or not. Relationships in the job make trouble, no matter how the relationship plays out. That alone should simplify things. Never mind even that that rule was broken the minute I agreed to dinner. But how serious can simple microwave dinners be, even if I do want to know how her arms feel around me, her lips touching mine? No expectations. No hopes or plans. And this might meet that perfectly. Oh, man. Great. There goes that plan. Standing there in characteristic jeans and button-down shirt. She looks even more beautiful. How is that even possible?
4: Prompt. That doesn't happen often with men in my experience. Come on in.
3: That's a very sexist thing to say.
4: Not when it's a true fact. Anyway, I was Thinking microwave dinners, but changed my mind. There's a barbecue joint nearby. You want to try it out?
3: Sure. Sounds good. Better than sitting in a hotel.
1: Ten minutes later, they arrive at Harvey's on the hill. They settle at a table on the patio.
3: Music piping into the patio. Locals saw this on the floor. Loud music that isn't obtrusive. Comfortable voices and louder laughter. It's a good place.
4: It looked like a good place. I've visited this area before and I wanted to try it, but I just didn't have a chance. On business? Always. I almost never take a vacation.
3: I know the feeling. We're supposed to have a vacation time every year. It doesn't do anyone a whole lot of good if you don't get the chance to use it.
4: Exactly. Anyway, thanks for joining me for dinner.
3: Hey, if it's as good as these chips, it's my pleasure. Seriously, I was
1: thinking we need a good break. Ken shrugs and scans the restaurant before turning his attention back to Bree. Child hazard.
3: Always taken in the surroundings, knowing who was where and when. A habit I stopped thinking about it a, a few years ago. And the world's so often defined by violence and fear. I don't know how people go through their lives unaware and unconcerned. Doesn't matter. I need to clear it up with my partner now. We haven't agreed on much of anything in the last few days. It's not exactly the best working relationship.
4: Oh, I don't think it's that bad. Differing opinions, sure, but that's not necessarily bad.
3: I should be on the same page as my partner, especially in front of our wits.
4: That I agree with, but you'll learn. Okay, enough business tonight.
3: I know this is out of line, but you've got a gorgeous smile.
1: Pretty turns a few different shades of pink, tucks some hair behind one ear as she leans forward and sips her cola.
4: Where are you from, Ken?
3: I've moved so much I've nearly forgotten.
4: Okay, let me see if I can guess. I peg you as a Midwestern boy, Illinois.
3: Close, Wisconsin.
4: Dairy cows, cheese, state bird is the robin, state animal, the badger.
3: <laughs> if you say so. The dairy and cheese are true enough.
4: Oh, come on. You were born there and you don't know the state bird or animal? What a disgrace.
3: Well, that kind of thing happens when you don't pay attention in school and move from state to state.
4: Well, toughen up, Shepherd. The moving story is one you're going to hear over and over, every day from here on out.
3: So how do you know those kinds of things about the lovely state of Wisconsin?
4: You'll be amazed at things you learn as you move clients from location to location.
3: <laughs> I'll take your word for it. What about you? Where are you from?
4: Well, let's play a little game and see if you can guess. Evergreen State.
3: Mm. Maine. Apples? Mm, Michigan?
4: You're horrible at this. Okay, another clue. Orcas? Alaska? You're teasing me now.
1: Bree reaches across the table and taps his hand playfully. All the rules are flying out the window faster than I can count
3: them off. But oh my, this is fun. Okay, maybe I am. Washington?
4: Seattle, born and raised.
3: Grunge and rainy days.
4: Rain is common knowledge, but grunge? Do you know that? That you didn't know it was the evergreen state?
3: Everyone knows Nirvana came out of Seattle.
4: You don't seem like the grunge. Older brothers. Ah. So where else did you live, dairy man?
3: A little here and a little there. Actually, it wasn't so bad. Made friends all over the country that resulted in a large Facebook following as an adult.
4: (laughs) You're teasing me again.
3: I am, but only a little. Some I've stayed in touch with, others I haven't. At the end of the day, isn't it always that way?
4: Yeah, it is.
3: We could sit and make small talk all night, answer back and forth, but I have a better idea.
1: Do you? Yes.
4: Yeah, of course.
1: Let's give it a go then, shall we? Brie took Ken's hand and held it tight as they headed across the, to the farthest floor of the music page to a slow ballad. Ken gave her hand a gentle squeeze.
3: Well, not exactly what I had in mind, but if you're game, I am.
4: It's just a dance, scary man.
3: Bree moves lazily into my arms. Her hands wrap around my neck, and I feel need swell inside. I hold my breath and then slowly turn her with the music. That cool blue of her eyes leaves me lost. And as our heads move closer together, they swallow hard, the scent of her deepening that need. Womanhood cloaked in flowers and strength wrapped in a body that is strengthened by discipline the tenderness the tenderness of her head resting gently on my shoulder. Then the song ends. I don't want to let her go. Those are the rules.
1: Always those rules. You're a good dancer.
4: Not so bad yourself.
1: They settled back at the table.
3: You'd have to give credit to a mother that loved to dance, and a father who loved seeing said mother's smile.
4: Mm. The way it's supposed to be, huh?
3: They are exactly the way it's supposed to be. After 45 years, they are still crazy in love with one another. (laughs) Sickeningly in love with one another. Trust me, everyone is jealous of my parents.
4: And what about you?
3: Striving to reach that goal.
4: Aren't we all? Does that mean there's a lucky lady in your life? Oh, no.
3: No, you know. Tough life and tougher on love when you're in that life.
4: Yeah. Yep, I can appreciate that. Try telling a man you're a U.S. Marshal. The sentence is hardly out of your mouth, and a foggy glaze moves across their eyes. Then it's all, nice to meet you, and uh, you, you seem like a nice girl, but it's, it's bad timing and to have a nice life.
3: Oof, that bad, huh?
4: That bad. And worse, when I can't get into the details about exactly what I do. Not that most of them even really want to know the nitty-gritty details. But it's okay. I figure I'm I'm either going to have to date a colleague or get a cat.
3: (laughs) I find that hard to believe. But for laughs and giggles, do you prefer cats or dogs? Dogs. Oh, I dig her. Really dig her. There's no doubt in my mind that she's not talking about me. But I wish she was. An early morning meeting with Val meant ink black coffee in a small diner on the outside boundaries of town. The hole-in-the-wall building doesn't look like much more than a shack, and the furniture furnishings are shabby at best. Even pushing a few grains of pepper across the table with one finger leaves a trail of grease. But the smells from the kitchen make my stomach rumble. Expense reports limit the kind of dining we can do on the road, and five-star dining is nowhere on the WITSEC menu. The waitress slaps a plate on the table, carelessly pours another cup of coffee, and leaves with barely a grunt. Service is not the best either, but food is food. It's all good. Although I've got to wonder where Bree and Val are.
1: They're running late and that's not normal. His cell phone rings and he answers with a sinking feeling in his gut.
4: Yeah? Ken, where are you?
3: I think the better question is where are you and Riley? I'm at the diner on Broadway. Wasn't that where we were supposed to meet?
4: You've got the right place, but Val won't answer her phone, and I've been trying for the last 45 minutes. Meet me at the hotel, and we'll head over to the house together.
1: He stands, pulls out a money clip from his front pocket, and strips a couple of bills from the thin roll, tosses them on the table. Come again? What happened?
4: I'm hoping she overslept, but my gut isn't so sure.
3: I'd love to give her that old
1: benefit, but I'm afraid I'm less optimistic than you are. On my way. He jogs across the street and down the quiet block with few eyes watching him. In the northeastern town, people were just beginning to wake up and ready themselves for the day. The air is still crisp in an early morning chill. The hotel comes into view before Ken becomes even slightly winded. Bree is leaning against the car, staring down at her phone.
3: Still no luck?
4: None. If she's ignoring my call, I'm going to teach that child a lesson if she's not there. Let's
3: go to the house first. Maybe we're both wrong. We approach the house and see the lights are on. "'Lines hanging haphazardly from the windows. "'Front door jarred open. I motion a brie. I'll go around back. "'She nods and pulls her weapon. "'The overgrown backyard doesn't appear disturbed, "'and as I climb a small blue porch "'with the paint chipping from each side of the railing, "'I notice the back door seems as undisturbed "'as the rest of the backyard. "'I gently poke at the door, "'expecting for it to be latched tight, "'and the door didn't disappoint. "'I turn the knob and creep through the mudroom. "'No one waving a gun. "'Not a sign of disturbance.' except for a sloppy kid who doesn't know how to keep house, a sink full of dishes, a counter of glasses. One person didn't need that much. Makes me wonder what else Val has flourished on. Drugs? If she's into drugs, there's no way of telling who she's gotten tied up with.
4: She's not here.
3: Think they found her?
4: No, not here. My bet is someone came and took her back to Denver. There'd be no one here to connect with. Not this quickly.
3: I hadn't thought of that, although I should have. It wouldn't take much for anyone to convince her to leave, not when she didn't want to be in the program in the first place. She looked miserable last time we saw her, and if that's what happened, she could already be in Denver.
1: They climb back into the car. Bree pulls out her phone and hits a memory dial.
4: Could, if she flew. We saw her Wednesday, so she could have left yesterday, maybe this morning. We'll get an immediate flight back to Colorado, but it might not make it back in time.
1: Seven hours later, Ken and Bree land in Denver. Cars waiting at the airport, and as they run to it, the senior marshal, John, jumps out and meets Bree to hand her the keys. Bree and Ken jump into the car, with John hurrying to the back seat.
4: Has anyone found her?
1: Yeah, oh, she is here. She's staying
4: off the grid. I think I know where to look.
3: We're headed to the last house Bree lived in before she went into Witzek.
4: She's there. She may not be able to come to the door, but she's there. Call the PD and have them send some backup. Now.
1: Three across the front lawn where the grass had long ago died and even the weeds were struggling to survive against trampling feet. Ahead, a few gang members sat perched on a rotting porch. Their casual slouch, the hardness in their eyes. They clearly think they are already adults. They hopped from the porch, straightened rail thin shoulders, and walked down the sidewalk with a swagger meant to intimidate.
4: Looks like we have company. Hey, have you seen Val recently?
3: The alarms in my head drowned out the near deafening laughter, and I was ready to grab my weapon. Not only do they know where Val is, they either killed her already, or close to coming, committing it with no regrets. I love Bree's braveness, but she's being way too casual. The situation reeks, and I'm not about to let it get out of control.
4: Sure, lady. We know where Val is. What's it to you?
1: Two of the gang members move closer to Bree, edging to cut Ken off or his partner. Ken quickens his step, pushes past the first hoodlum.
3: We're federal agents, kid. And where's Val?
4: She's inside. Chica in school, learning about the rules of family. You feds better get out of here before we decide to teach you a couple of rules, too.
1: A half
3: dozen more kids stand around. Pulling off a successful gunfight doesn't play out well, and backup is likely minutes away. We need to buy time, but backing away to gain some time isn't going to play well, either.
4: You kids take care of Val, you hear? Play nice. we is caring for Don't you feds worry your little selves.
1: Bree turns away from the kids and heads back towards the car. Ken gives the kids an upwards nod. Stays on the ready as he follows his partner, listening carefully for movement behind him. Ken crosses the <laughs> and circles and circles around the back of the car. He dives to the ground behind the black. The shot rings out and glances over the trunk and narrows, and he's in on the kid firing. Without another thought, he takes aim and fires. The single shot target. The kid drops to the ground. The others yelling and emptying the yard, darting in all directions. Bree? Bree, are you
3: okay? Bree doesn't answer His sirens play out in the distance. The boys in blue are late. I search for my partner and find her slumped against the driver's side door. A flowering red bloom spreads across her chest. The bright red can be fixed, but the way she's breathing can't. As he patrols car pulling in from all directions and an ambulance behind them.
1: Marshal down! There's a marshal down! Ken calls out over one shoulder as he tucks an arm underneath Bree's head.
3: We're going to get you out of here. You'll be fine.
1: Bree smiles, the small trail of blood trickling from the corner of her mouth.
4: I'm the cocky one. Did I tell you that?
1: I noticed.
3: You're gonna be okay. The ambulance arrived a few seconds ago.
4: You can't kid a kidder, kid. I know the score. That bullet hit a lung. And it's already hard to breathe. You've got chops. Don't get overwhelmed by the job. Most charges.
1: (coughs) Three coughs, spraying blood, splattering across Ken's shirt.
0: Most charges obey the rules. Our work is good work.
3: You can stop right there. You're too tough to die.
0: I bet you could have been the colleague who kept me from the cat.
1: <clears throat> Priya coughed again, closed her eyes as she began to shiver.
0: I bet you could have.
1: Paramedic, come on.
0: Paramedic.
3: The paramedic didn't move fast enough. And Bree was right. Seconds or minutes wouldn't have mattered. With a last shiver and final gurgling cough, her head slumped to the side. On my first case, I lost my partner.
1: Congratulations, Ken. You're officially ready to start taking on your own work you load. You'll start slow one or two cases at a time. Then we'll add a few more, and before you know it, You'll be overworked and underpaid.
3: The senior marshal hands me a badge and a little folder. Seems my days as a rookie ended with Brie. I'm not sure how that settles in my gut, but there's no turning back now. Bell walks from the interrogation room and down the hall with escorts
1: in tow. It's done now. The statement to local PD, the critical paperwork. She's beaten now. Broken. The gang members took their turns with her, first physically, then sexually. And had you and Bree not arrived when you did, Val would be dead. She'll cooperate this time. And the FBI is going to be stepping in. There are rumbles that something bigger is happening, larger than typical gang stuff. Yeah? Like what? Don't know for sure. They're staying pretty tight-lipped about it. Jen watches as the young woman disappears behind the door, her escorts following closely behind. None of the kids here were hardcore
3: Crip members. They were too young, too stupid. They were there to prove themselves, little high school wannabes that would one day be seasoned killers. Do me a favor. Keep me posted on what you hear. John tilts his head in consideration and an expression I've seen a time or two. Most senior officers develop it over time. That look that says, it's neat to know, and you don't. It's not your case anymore. It's enough to plead my case. Please, sir, I have a vested interest. What happened to Bree? I'm aware of that, sir. It doesn't make it easier.
1: To lose one of our own? No, it doesn't. She was a good marshal. And more than that, she was a good friend. One of a kind. I'm going to miss her.
3: You knew Bree much longer than I did. I shouldn't take her death so personally. I get that. But the truth is, since Bree's death, everything seems a little off, a little shaky. Just, please, keep me informed, okay? I'd appreciate it.
1: I'll let you know when I hear. But you need to concentrate on your own cases. Read through that file. Get to know your first wit. You'll have five minutes before you meet him in person. So it's best you're paired with at least his basic information. He's he's here? In the other room. Just a quick Q&A today. This one will be easier than Val. He's fully cooperative knows what he has to do exactly and why he needs to do it.
3: I studied the picture attached by a paperclip, scanned the words. The new wit is a man in his late 20s, professional type. I got to wonder just how easy a white-collar kind of guy is going to do, how easy he's going to be to work with. You know, the kind who wants control and getting ready to lose any semblance of that in his life isn't going to be easy for him. I meet my superior's gaze. Colton Payne,
1: personal finance agent who didn't realize he was dumping high dirty money. The FBI thought he was dirty himself until they took a closer look. But turns out he was just very green. The men he was working with huh, or working for want him very dead. Okay, I'll read through it today. Good. Again. Congratulations. We're glad to have you on the team. John shakes Ken's hand, and Ken heads back to his office. He sits down in his comfortable chair, office chair and glances over at the Bree's now empty desk. He sighs, subverts his eyes back to the folder and opens it.
3: Finance advisor, his first big account turns sour. Well, he's not Val. I guess that's something. No need to wait five minutes. This paperwork won't tell me more than I can learn meeting the guy face to face. He closes the file and marches into the nearby room. The wit stands as I enter the room. I can't miss the sadness in his eyes. He's different from Val. This guy's already broken into little pieces. Makes me wonder what he's leaving behind. And if he'll ever tell me. My guess? He's not going to say a word. I reach across the table to shake his hand. The guy's handshake is professional and firm. Okay. He's not a pushover. Ken Marshall Shepherd. You must be Colton Payne. Yeah. An hour later, I leave Colton Payne to his stocks while I return to my desk. He's a good enough guy who got burned by a master con man. Although, I can't quite put my finger on him. He's not afraid. He's just incredibly sad. I'll have to figure out what that's about. It could derail him in the program. I've lost one witness as an agent and a partner on this side of the street. I'm assigned my first case, but this time, it'll be different. I'll be careful, just like Bree taught me. I'll keep the witness safe and never again lose someone under my care. Never again. Colton
1: stared out the window as he listened to Savannah Weiler laugh through the phone.
0: <laughs> it confirmed it, Colton. The cancer is in remission. I'm going to be okay.
2: I listen to her voice, and I try to forget that this will be the last time I ever get to talk to her. For a moment, I just enjoy the news that I won't have to worry about whether the Big C will win. Maybe it'll help provide some peace of mind when the time comes to leave Denver. That is the best news you could have given me today, V. And didn't I say you would beat it?
0: You and my parents. You were the only ones that stuck with me during the chemo cocktails and vomit runs and crying binges.
2: <laughs> the, you, you know better than to think I'd go anywhere else. Why? Why didn't I tell her I love her months ago when I had the chance? Why did I wait? If she knew she could come with me into the witness security program. Or at the very least, she'd know the truth. Maybe knowing how I felt would help her when, when I leave, without even saying so much as a goodbye. Where else would I have been?
0: Anywhere else. Most people were. You didn't have to stick with me, but I appreciate that you did. We have some serious celebrating to do. When and where? I want to do something fun and crazy.
2: Let's do it tonight. We'll run to Paris or something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I'll be ready in ten.
2: I'll be there to pick you up.
0: I wish. I can't tell you how good that sounds. I guess we'll plan something a little closer to home.
2: Yeah, I, I guess so.
0: Is something wrong?
2: No. Of course not. Everything's just fine.
0: No, it's not. You don't sound like yourself. Problem at work?
2: My chest tightened. The job I thought was my big break had just taken everything I care about away from me. A problem hardly covers it. No. Everything is fine, but but uh, I need to let you go for now. I keep smelling natural gas, and, and I think I'd better check with the neighbors, just to make sure that they're okay.
0: Oh, um, okay. Well, then we'll talk again soon, and we'll plan something, something special. Let's give it up big, <laughs> just you and me.
2: Yes. V. Yes, that uh, sounds like a plan.
0: Until tomorrow?
1: Until tomorrow. V. Savannah ends the call and he stands. He stares at the phone in his hand as if he isn't sure how it got there. Then suddenly there's a thick lump in his throat. My
2: V. My darling, brave smart wonderful V gone forever one bad decision and I've lost my entire world
1: natural gas burns his nostrils and Colton's eyes water he hurries to the door as someone knocks gritting his teeth Colton opens it to see that it's the marshal he'd talked to the day before let's go
2: what, now? You said I still have a few more days.
3: We have reason to believe that they're coming
1: for you tonight. There's no more time. The natural gas smell grows as his heart pounds.
2: I'm not ready.
1: You don't have a choice.
2: do uh, g- Give me just a minute.
3: A minute. Nothing more. And remember, nothing goes.
2: With my heart racing, I run upstairs. Now I understand that natural gas smell is coming from my house. I, I dig through the drawer for the letters I won't leave behind, regardless of what the lawman downstairs says. They're going. I tuck them between my jeans and skin and hurry back downstairs, trying to forget this will be the last time. Kim is standing inside, and the look on his face is hard to miss. No more time. When we step outside,
1: move quickly. The car is next to the front steps. You get in the back and you stay down. Clear? Colton nods and together they race outside. In the car, they race down the street. Seconds later, the house explodes, sending a plume of fire and smoke into the early night sky.
3: Sorry about your house, but we got you out in time. That's the important thing. It
2: it it doesn't <laughs> matter. <laughs> I was leaving the house anyway, right?
3: I look into the rearview mirror at the witness as he stares out the side window. Supposed to stay down, but there's no point in saying anything. There's no sign that we're being followed, and this time, this time I got it right. The witness is safe, and I'll get him out of the area care quickly.
2: (laughs) Do we have far to go?
3: A short ride. We'll stop as soon as we can.
2: No. No, that's fine. Thank you. I didn't realize that the problem...
3: You're welcome. I'll sit back. You're safe now.
1: The car races into the darkening Colorado night.